everybody, check it out. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to start a podcast. It has all the tools in one place that you need right from your phone or computer to edit and publish your podcast. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listing platforms such as Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started now. I'm using it right along with you. You're listening to The Frankie Files. FrankieFilesPodcast.com Hey everybody, Frankie here. And I'm uh, bringing to you a live Reddit talk conversation from November 18th to commemorate the Jonestown Massacre. The cult of Jonestown started in California. And what we're going to begin with is from a YouTube channel called High Def, D-E-F as in definition. It is the video, well, audio of the last day for the 900 people plus that died at Jonestown. Trigger warning, it may be difficult for some to hear, but what better to commemorate this day, International Cult Awareness Day, than to hear what happened in the last few hours before they left this planet. I've loved you. How very much I've tried my best to give you a good life. But in spite of all of that I've tried, a handful of our people with their lives have made our life impossible. There's no way to detach ourselves from what's happened today. Not only we're in a compound situation, not only are there those who have left and committed the betrayal of the century, some have stolen children from others and they're in pursuit right now to kill them because they stole their children. And we, we are sitting here waiting on a powder keg. I don't think this is what we want to do with our babies. I don't think that's what we had in mind to do with our babies. It was death by the greatest of prophets from time immemorial. No man lay, takes my life from me. I lay my life down. So to, to sit here and wait for the catastrophe that's going to happen on that airplane, it's going to be a catastrophe. Almost happened here. Almost happened. The congressman was nearly killed here. You can't steal people's children. You can't take off with people's children without expecting a violent reaction. And that's not so unfamiliar to us either. If we, even if we were Judeo-Christian, if we weren't communists, the world, the kingdom, suffers violence, and the violence shall take it by force. If we can't live in peace, then let's die in peace. been so betrayed. We have been so terribly betrayed. 
But we cried, and this Jack Bean Moffat said, I don't know where he's at right this moment, where's Jack? He said, if this only worked one day, it was worthwhile. Yeah. What's going to happen here in a matter of a few minutes is that one of those people on that plane is going to, going to shoot the pilot. I know that. I didn't plan it, but I know it's going to happen. They're going to shoot that pilot, and down comes that plane into the jungle. And we had better not have any of our children left when it's over, because they'll parachute in here on us. I'm telling you, just as plain as I know how to tell you, I've never lied to you. I never have lied to you. I know that's what's going to happen. That's what he intends to do. And he will do it. He'll do it. Fortunately, being so bewildered with many, many pressures on my brain, seeing all these people behave so treasonous, it was just too much for me to put together. But uh, uh, I now know what he was telling me, and it'll happen. If the plane gets in the air, even. So my opinion is that we be kind to children and be kind to seniors and take the portion like they used to take in ancient Greece and step over quietly because we are not committing suicide. It's a revolutionary act. We can't go back. They won't leave us alone. They're now going back to tell more lies, which means more congressmen. And there's no way, no way we can survive. Hmm? Anybody? Anyone that has any dissenting opinion, please speak. Yes. You can have an opportunity, but if our children are left, we're going to have them butchered. We can make a strike, but we'll be striking against people that we, we don't want to strike against. We want, we'd like to get people who cause this stuff and some if some people here are, are prepared to know how to do that to go in town and get Timothy Stone but there's no plane there's no plane you can't get a plane in time he's responsible for it he brought these people to us Indiana Myrtle but people in San Francisco will not not be idle over this and not take our death in vain, you know. Yes, Christine. Is it too late for Russia? Here's why it's too late for Russia. They killed. They started to kill. That's why it makes it too late for Russia. Otherwise, I'd said, Russia, you bet your life. But it's too late. I can't control these people. They're out there. They're gone with their guns. And it's too late. And once we kill anybody... At least that's the way I've always, I've always put my lot with you. If one of my people do something, it's me. And I say, I don't, I don't have to take the blame for this, but I, I, don't, I don't live that way. They said, deliver up Ujara, who tried to get the man back here. Ujara, whose wife, mother has been lying on him and lying on him and trying to break up this family, and they've all agreed to kill us by any means necessary. You think I'm going to deliver them, Ujara? Not on your life. No. No, you're not going. You're not going. You're not going. I can't live that way. I cannot live that way. I've lived with for all, and I'll die for all. I've been living on hope for a long time.
long time, Christine. I appreciate you. Always been a very good agitator. I like agitation because you got to two sides of one issue, two sides of a question. But what those people are going to get done, what they get through, will make our life worse than hell. Will make us make the Russians not accept us when they get through lying. They told so many lies between there and that truck that we are we are done in as far as any other alternative. Well, I said let's make an airlift to Russia. That's what I say. I don't think nothing is impossible. Well, how are we going to believe it? How are you going to airlift to Russia? Well, I thought he, they said if we got in an emergency, they gave you a code to let them know. No, they did. They gave us the code that they'd let us know of an issue. Not us create an issue for them. They said if, we, if they saw the country coming down, they'd create, they'd give us the code. They'd give us the code. You can check on there and see if it's on the code. You can check with Russia to see if they'll take us in immediately. Otherwise, we die. I don't know what else you say to these people. But to me, death is not and death is not a fearful thing. It's living this treachery. I have never, 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 never seen anything like this before in my life. I've never seen people take the law and do in their own hands and provoke us and try to purposely agitate murder of children. There's no you, Christine. It's just not. It's not worth living like this. Not worth living like this. I think that there were too few who left for 1,200 people to give them their lives for those people that left. You know how many left? Mm, 20 odd. That's, that's a small 20 odd. Com 20 compared odd. Compared to what's here. 20 odd. But what's going to happen when they don't leave? I hope that they could leave, but what's going to happen when they, when they don't leave? You mean the people here? Yeah, what's going to happen to us when they don't leave, when they get on the plane and the plane goes down? I don't think it'll go down. You don't think it'll go down? I, I wish I could tell you you were right, but I'm right. There's one man there who blames, and rightfully so, Debbie Blakey for the murder, for the murder of his mother, and he'll he stop that pilot by any means necessary. He'll do it. Out of pilot. I wasn't speaking about that plane. I was speaking about the plane for us to go to Russia. <laughs> to Russia. You think Russia's going to want? Uh, no, I'm not going to. Uh, you think Russia's going to want us with all this stigma? We had we, we had some value, but now we don't have any value. Well, I don't see it like that. I mean, I feel like that as long as there's life, there's hope. That's my faith. Well, someday everybody dies. Someplace that hope runs out because everybody dies. I haven't seen anybody yet didn't die. And I like to choose my own kind of death for a change. I'm tired of being tormented to hell. That's what I'm tired of. Tired of it. Over people's lives in my hands, and I certainly don't want your life in my hands. I'm going to tell you, Christine, without me, life has no meaning. I'm the best friend you'll ever have. Once I have to pay, I'm standing with you, Jara. I'm standing with those people. They're part of me. 
I can detach myself. My journey says detach myself. No, 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 no. I never detach myself from any of your troubles. I've always taken your troubles right on my shoulders. And I'm not going to change that now. It's too late. I've been running too long. I'm not going to change now. Maybe the next time you get to go to Russia, the next time around. This is what I'm talking about the now is in the dispensation of judgment. This is the revolutionary this is the revolutionary suicide council. I'm not talking about self self-destruction. I'm talking about what we have no other road. I will take your, your call, we will put it to the Russians, and I can tell you the answer now because I'm a prophet. Call the Russians and tell them to see if they'll take us. I said I'm afraid to die. I don't think no you means. are. I don't think you are. But uh, I look at our babies and I think they deserve I, to live. I agree. You know? They did, but also they deserve much more. They deserve peace. We all came here for peace. And we've have we had it? No. I tried to give it to you. I've laid down my life practically. I practically died every day to give you peace. And you still not had any peace. You look better than I've seen you in a long while. But it's still not the kind of peace that I want to give you. The person's a fool who continues to say that you're a winner when you lose. Win one, lose two. What? I didn't hear you, ma'am. You have to speak up. That's a sweet thought. Who said that? Check the text comments for the link to what I'm playing for you guys. Come on up and speak it again. Come up and say about to talk about. It's taking off. No plane is taking off. It's suicide. They have done it. Stone has done it. Somebody ought to, somebody, can they talk, can they not talk to San Francisco? See, the stone does not get by with this infamy. This infamy. He has done the thing he wanted to do. To have us destroyed. When you, when you, when we destroy ourselves, we're defeated. We no, let them, the enemy, defeat us. Did you, see, did you see I live to fight no more forever? Yes, I saw that. Did you not have some sense of pride and victory in that man? He would not subject himself to the will and whim of people who tell him that they're going to come in whenever they please and push into our house, come when they please, take who they want to, talk to who they want to. Is this that living? That's not living to me. That's not freedom. That's not the kind of freedom I sought. But I think where they made their mistake is when they stopped to rest. If they had gone on, they would have made it. But they stopped to rest. It's over, sister. It's over. We've made that day. We made a beautiful day. And let's make it a beautiful day. That's what I we, win. we win when we go down. Tim Stone has nobody else to hate. He has nobody else to hate. Then he'll destroy himself. I'm speaking here not as uh, the administrator speaking as a prophet today. I wouldn't step in this deep talk so serious if I didn't know what I was talking about. If there's any way to call back the immense amount of damage that's going to be done. 
but I cannot separate myself from the pain of my people. You can't either, Christine, if you stop to think about it. You can't separate yourself. We've walked too long together. I, I know that, but I still think as an individual, I have a right to do, and I'm listening, what I think, what I feel, and I think we all have a right to our own destiny as individuals. Right. And I think I have a right to choose mine, and everybody else has a right to choose theirs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not criticizing. I'm not criticizing. What's that? She has much right to speak to anybody else, too. What'd you say, Ruby? Well, you'll regret that this very day if you don't die. You'll regret it if you don't know you don't die. You'll regret it. Too many people? I saved them. I saved them, but I made my example. I made my expression. I made my manifestation, and the world was ready, not ready for me. Paul said, I was a man born out of due season. I've been born out of due season just like all we are, and the best testimony we can make is to leave this goddamn world. Jeez, I'm not talking to her. Will you, met, will you, will you let her let me talk? Would you make her sit down and let me talk while I'm on the floor? Or let her talk? I'm tell the leader what to do. I, I'm listening to you. You asked me about Russia. I'm right now making a call to Russia. What more do you suggest? I'm listening to you. If Russia gives me one slight bit of encouragement, I just now instructed them to go there and do that. All right, now everybody hold it. We didn't come hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Much longer maintain. To lay down your burdens. I'm going to lay down my burdens down by the riverside. So we lay them down here in the side of Guyana. What's the difference? No man didn't take our life right now. They haven't taken it. But when they start parachuting out of the air, they'll, they'll shoot some of our innocent babies. I'm not going to, I don't want to see this, Christy. Because they got to shoot me to get through to some of these people. I'm not letting them take your job. Can you let them take your job? What's that? You mean you want to see John, the little one with Keith? I want to see. Are you saying that you think he thinks more of them than other children here? John, is that John, what you're saying? But you're acting. Do you think I'd put John's life above others? If I put John's life above others, I wouldn't be standing with the jar. I send John out, out, and he could go out on the driveway tonight. Because he's young, they're young. I know, but he's no, he's no different to me than any of these children here. He's just one of my children. I don't prefer one above another. 
I don't prefer him above you, Jara. I can't do that. I can't separate myself from your actions or his actions. If you'd done something wrong, I'd stand with you. If they wanted to come and get you, they'd have to take me. All ready to go. If you tell us we have to give our lives now, we're ready. I'm pretty sure all the rest of the brothers are with me. Months I've tried to keep this thing from happening, but I now see it's the will, it's the will of sovereign being that this happened to us. That we lay down our lives in protest against what's being done. So we lay down our lives to protest in what's being done. The criminality of people. The cr Check the text notes for what you're listening to. Mostly white people. Mostly white people walked. I'm so grateful for the ones that didn't, those who knew who they are. But there's no, there's, there's no point. There's no point to this. We have, we are born before our time. They won't accept us. And I don't think we should sit here and take any more time for our children to be. Hi, Susan. How are you? Oh, there I am. Hey, we're, we're listening to this crazy tape um, <laughs> of the last day of Jonestown. Well, that was so creepy. Is it? And it's not over, but of course, I'd prefer a live person <laughs> such as yourself. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. You know, it's, it's so funny because I was younger when that all happened, but then um, mm -hmm. um, they flew the bodies into the Naval Station in Puerto Rico. Um, but were you stationed there when that happened? No, but I was stationed there afterwards. And mm. I hate to be hooky spooky about it, but it was cr cr the airfield. And I was, I worked on airplanes mm -hmm. and you could never walk on the airfield without a creepy feeling knowing that those bodies were there. Mm. Wow. What an odd memory. Okay. So 78. Yeah. And I'm going to get into this other Rolling Stone article in a, in a little while. I'd say there's, um, well, I might abbreviate this video, uh, but it's on YouTube and it's really crazy. It's called Death Tape 1978. Um, it's on the High Def YouTube channel. All they do is remaster tapes, cassette tapes. And they put them online with the audio. And so this one's pretty amazing because it's like, don't take anyone's word for it. Let's listen in to the last days and his cavalier uh, excuses for, you know, trying to take these 900 people with him. So here we go back to that, if you're ready for more. Endangered because they come after our children and we give them our children, then our children will suffer forever. I have no quarrel with you coming up. I like you. I personally like you very much. People get hostile when you try to... Oh, well, some people do. But that, you don't, you, you, just some people do. Put it that way. I'm not hostile. You had to be honest. Did you say if you wanted to run, you'd run with them? Because anybody could have run today. They would want to. I know you're not a runner. And I, 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 your life is precious to me. It's as precious as John's. And I, I don't, what I do, I do with weight and justice and judgment. I'm, I've waited against all evidence. 
Okay, what you got? Parents is filled with so much hate. 
and treachery. I think you, you people out here should think about how your relatives was and be glad about that the children are being laid to rest. And all I like to say is I thank Dad for making me strong to stand with it all and make me ready for it. Thank you. Alcoholism is all they're doing is taking a drink to take to go to sleep. That's what death is, sleep. <laughs> well, I'm tired of it all. Loving thing he could have ever done, the most loving thing all of us could have done. And it's been a pleasure walking with all of you in this revolutionary struggle. No other way I would rather go and give my life for socialism, communism. And I thank Dad very, very much. But that uh, Dad's love of mercy and goodness and kindness and bringing us to this land of freedom, his love, his mother was the advance, the advance guard to socialism. And his love and his mercy should go on forever, onto the field. Where's the vat, the vat, the vat? Where's the vat with the green tea? Love go on for onto the field of time. And thank you, Dad. The vat with the green tea in, please. Bring it here so the adults can begin. Thank you. Don't, don't. Fail to follow my advice, you'll be sorry. You'll be sorry. That we do it and that they do it. Us trust you, you have to step across. We laid it down, we got tired. We didn't commit suicide, we committed an act of revolutionary suicide protesting the conditions of an inhumane world. And that is the crazy that they left off with. Somewhere around there. Susan, what do you think? Yeah, gosh, you know, it is amazing that that many people would put their lives, their end of their lives in hand in the hands of that guy. That guy, mm -hmm. although I think some people were like, they wanted to get the heck out of there and they just killed him anyway. So it was suicide, but also murder. Some of those people got murdered. They did because when the um, congressperson uh, was killed in the parking lot, anyone who, uh, what do you call it, defected was right. shot. Yeah. Not much choice there. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane so this um this audio we listen to you guys is on the chat in the text which will remain on this and it's a high depth station on youtube and it's about an hour i think or longer that particular remastered tape uh shocking stuff and um and also, you know, like someone who's never been in a cult doesn't understand the um, seduction that led up to that point, uh, the absolutism, the promises, you know. So there's also they're in a strange country. Uh, they no longer have their bearings. And imagine like just <laughs> the shock, like they didn't come there for that, but you can hear it in his voice. He's convincing them to do it. Well, I think it's every cult member's fear. I mean, when you leave a cult hmm. and you have friends and family that are left inside, it's it's every, you know, it's every survivor's fear that, you know, will it come to that, you know, the closer that person gets to 
to being, you know, caught, you know, or, you know, held accountable mm -hmm. by the authorities is that, is that going to happen? You know, mm -hmm. you know, I, I mean, I think that that was my fear, the more um, Keith Ranieri amped up his behavior, right. this is like that, is that going to happen? You know, is he going to try to, you know, create some kind of mass suicides, you know, scenario, mm -hmm. or is he going to kill people? Yeah, because they don't have an exit plan, right? Mm -hmm. they, they usually don't have an exit plan. So in this um, Rolling Stone article, Jonestown, 13 things you should know about the cult massacre. And they do call it a cult massacre instead of a suicide, which, you know, it was right. the largest. Okay, so check this out. Until... September 11th attacks, the tragedy in Jonestown on November 1878 represents the largest number of American civilian casualties in a single non-natural event. It's unfathomable now, as it was then, that more than 900 Americans, members of a San Francisco-based religious cult uh, group, excuse me, they say, called the People's Temple, died after drinking poison at the urging of their leader, Reverend Jim Jones, in a secluded South American jungle settlement. Photographers taken after the uh, photographs taken after the carnage forever document the sheer enormity of the event. The bodies of hundreds of people, including children, lying face down in the grass nearly 40 years later, the infamous and horrific event continues to fascinate us through numerous books, articles, and documentaries. And they have this quick clip I'm going to play for you guys. It starts out with the, until the September 11th attacks, Jonestown Massacre represented the largest. A tremendous wind you know, seemed to come out of nowhere. There was a torrent. Tim Reiterman, journalist. Coming minutes, uh, members of People's Temple gathered around the pavilion, kind of surrounded us and where we were, and all eyes were on Jones, looking for vis visible cues, you know, some sort of leadership or guidance about what was going to happen next. I think you knew what was going to happen next. He had, in my opinion, and I you, Rhonda Williams. He had 917 chances to stop. The annihilation, and yet he continued to witness people dying one by one. Jim Jones had the ability to be able to reach people on whatever level and to address the needs and concerns of individuals at any given point in time. I've spent years trying to understand uh, why and how it happened, and uh, I still many people embrace. Uh, myths about Jonestown. One of those myths was that it was mass suicide, you know, uh, that people willingly stepped forward, uh, whereas in fact they were manipulated by Jones at the end. Uh, the shooting of Congressman Ryan was used to convince Jones's followers that they had no out, no place to go, that someone was going to come in after them. And then he said, um, let's take the potion
to continue, the story of Jonestown begins with Jones, a white minister who preached unconventional socialist and progressive ideas to a predominantly African-American congregation called the People's Temple. At the height of its popularity during the 70s, the temple had a membership estimated in the thousands and was courted by local politicians in San Francisco, including Harvey Milk. But by 77, Jones had grown paranoid from the media scrutiny over the temple's suspicious activities, and he and his numerous followers moved to an agricultural settlement, Jonestown. They named it Jonestown in Guyana, the remote country of Venezuela. And this is where um, the escalation takes place, and it's described here. Concern over the welfare of those in the jungle encampment prompted U.S. Congressman Leo Ryan to visit Jonestown in November of 78. After checking out the settlement, Ryan was shot to death along with four other people by Temple gunmen at an airstrip. That's as they tried to leave, guys. Following those murders, Jones commanded his followers to drink cyanide-laced punch, starting with the children first. In all, there were over 900 who died in Jonestown, including Jim Jones, who was found dead of a gunshot wound to the head. There's speculation that he may have taken his own life or that his nurse, Annie Moore, fatally shot him before she killed herself in the same manner. Survivors still remember being a part of the church that they devoted a good portion of their lives to. The people were incredible says Jean Clancy, who worked at the Temple newspaper, capable of committing themselves to something outside of their own self-interest. Uh, yeah, <laughs> clearly. Yeah, so um, two links so far in the chat. Um, the first one is to the YouTube audio and the second one is to this Rolling Stone article. And, you know, being in my 50s, um, I was in a cult when this happened and the leader was so freaking nuts and audacious that after uh, this happened, she put Kool-Aid cups on little Dixie cups on a tray and during a class said, let's see who trusts us and had everyone drink them. And my mom was one of those people. <gasps> That's what they did. Mm -hmm. they, they usually don't have an exit plan. So in this um, Rolling Stone article, Jonestown, 13 things you should know about the cult massacre. And they do call it a cult massacre instead of a suicide, which, you know, it was right. the largest. Okay, so check this out. Until September 11th attacks, the tragedy in Jonestown on November 1878 represents the largest number of American civilian casualties in a single non-natural event. It's unfathomable now, as it was then, that more than 900 Americans, members of a San Francisco-based religious cult um, group, excuse me, they say, called the People's Temple, died after drinking poison at the urging of their leader, Reverend Jim Jones, in a secluded South American jungle settlement. Photographers taken after the uh, photographs taken after the carnage 
forever document the sheer enormity of the event, the bodies of hundreds of people, including children, lying face down in the grass nearly 40 years later, the infamous and horrific event continues to fascinate us through numerous books, articles, and documentaries. And they have this quick clip I'm going to play for you guys. It starts out with the, until the September 11th attacks, Jonestown Massacre represented the largest. Tim Reiterman, journalist. And the moment was, it was, it was very, very ominous. And uh, in the coming minutes, uh, members of People's Temple gathered around the pavilion and surrounded us and where we were. And all eyes were on Jones looking for vis visible cues, you know, some sort of leadership or guidance about what was going to happen next. I think you knew what was going to happen next. He had, in my opinion, and I you, say, this, Williams. To say this, he had 917 chances to stop the annihilation, and yet he continued to witness people die one by one. Jim Jones had the ability to be able to reach people on whatever level and to address the needs and concerns of individuals at any given point in time. I've spent years trying to understand uh, why and how it happened. And um, I still, many people embrace uh, myths about Jonestown. One of those myths was that it was mass suicide, you know, uh, that people willingly stepped forward, uh, whereas in fact they were manipulated by Jones at the end. Uh, the shooting of Congressman Ryan was used to convince Jones's followers that they had no out, no place to go, that someone was going to come in after them. And then he said, um, let's take the potion. To continue, the story of Jonestown begins with Jones a white minister who preached unconventional socialist and progressive ideas to a predominantly African-American congregation called the People's Temple. At the height of its popularity during the 70s, the temple had a membership estimated in the thousands and was courted by local politicians in San Francisco, including Harvey Milk. But by 77, Jones had grown paranoid from the media scrutiny over the temple's suspicious activities, and he and his numerous followers moved to an agricultural settlement, Jonestown. They named it Jonestown, in Guyana, the remote country of Venezuela. And this is where um, the escalation takes place, and it's described here. Concern over the welfare of those in the jungle encampment prompted U.S. Congressman Leo Ryan to visit Jonestown in November of 78. After checking out the settlement, Ryan was shot to death along with four other people by Temple gunmen at an airstrip. That's as they tried to leave, guys. Following those murders, Jones commanded his followers to drink cyanide-laced punch, starting with the children first. In all, there were over 900 who died in Jonestown, including Jim Jones, who was found dead of a gunshot wound to the head. 
there's speculation that he may have taken his own life or that his nurse, Annie Moore, fatally shot him before she killed herself in the same manner. Survivors still remember being a part of the church that they devoted a good portion of their lives to. The people were incredible, says Jean Clancy, who worked at the Temple newspaper, capable of committing themselves to something outside of their own self-interest. Uh, yeah, <laughs> clearly. Yeah, so um, two links so far in the chat. Um, the first one is to the YouTube audio, and the second one is to this Rolling Stone article. And, you know, being in my 50s, um, I was in a cult when this happened. And the leader was so freaking nuts and audacious that after uh, this happened, she put Kool-Aid cups on little Dixie cups on a tray and during a class said, let's see who trusts us and had everyone drink them. And my mom was one of those people. <gasps> That's what they did. How about that, Susan? That's crazy. She told me that recently and I was like, oh, Lord, I'm glad you snapped out of that. You know, she did that. She was showing the trust. <laughs> so, yeah, do, the 70s, where were you? Where would you have been? I, well, I was in the Navy. Oh, in, right, right, right. In, in the late the late 70s. I right. went in in 76. So... When, when 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 the massacre happened i was stationed in jacksonville florida and then in 79 mm -hmm. is when i went down i got stationed in puerto rico okay and you were adjacent to some of those bodies yeah well yeah it was just it was they had already they had flown them in to puerto rico but they had oh. already flown out but it was just so creepy because i you know i knew they had flown into that air base it was <laughs> just like so creepy it, it is because what's weird about it is like it's it's on guyana property venezuela but these people were all rooted in california all of their family mm -hmm. everything and so i guess i guess that makes sense like was that a request to know that yeah no, how did that work well well they Murder? had to they, they had to refuel the planes oh you know? yeah stop yeah, over so yeah, so it was just a stop order to refuel oh. the planes. Okay. You know, kind of yeah. thing. Wow. Okay. So a little bit more uh, on the death of those people. There is a, I'll put this link in chat too. Um, Jonestown.s, as in Sam, D, dog, S, Sam, U, edu stsu.edu so jonestown.stsu.edu the jonestown memorial list um completed almost 30 years after the deaths in guyana the following is the first to include the names of everyone who died in guyana on the 18th 1978 there were yeah there's a documentary his one of his sons is is alive because he mm. during the massacre his son who was in guyana was in another town <laughs> getting supplies i think oh my it, god and and Look, you uh, stay ever 
Yeah, luck, yeah, luck, you yeah, made a yeah. great choice. I'll go on that, Aaron. That's insane. Yeah. I didn't know that. Let me Google that. Yeah, and and um, I remember watching. I don't remember. It was like a sixty minutes thing, or mm -hmm. I think it was longer than that. But maybe it might have been on sixty minutes, and I just happened to stumble on it one day, and I thought, oh my god, uh -huh. you know, what a um, what yeah, what a lucky day. But it was interesting to watch because um, he was talking about his whole experience, you know, being there with his dad. And then he was gone during the whole thing. But what I think it was the congressman that went down there because right. some of the family members of, of the cult members that had went down there were hammering about, you know, what's going on with our family. We can't be we can't get a hold of them. And right. we're worried about them. And there was complaints that it was like a labor camp. Yeah, they were building their own, you know, city. I can't imagine the conditions were too good. It reminds yeah. me of the Ron, Rajneesh camps. It's like, you know, you're well, at least at least the Rajneesh it was in in America, you know, where they had better better um, access to to things. It's they, funny they were in that the you middle say of... that because that was um, one of Dr. Lalish's great detailed uh, sections of bounded choice, right? Which I am like. I've written through all of the uh, margins in red. <laughs> she, like, there's enough <laughs> space for me to put all the things I wanted to, to note. It's that dense. She goes through the introduction, New Age. And, you know, when we're talking about Rajneesh, it was through a loosening of immigration that mm -hmm. these uh, gurus in completely infiltrated America where they wanted to have these large properties and do their thing and mm -hmm. be left alone. And they did it. And so they were already, he was already doing an encampment in India where people live ashram. And so he just wanted to do the same thing here. So I know, I mean, it is weird when you say at least they're in America, but it's like, Hmm. <laughs> okay. They had toilets. They had <laughs> toilets for sure. They had but some they had, they amenities some amenities mm -hmm. but um in diana they were out in the middle of like a hot stinking muggy jungle oh god i can't even imagine oh here's the story oh susan what a gem how jim jones son survived the jonestown tragedy and this is in bustle.com um uh, listed under entertainment fascinating okay i wouldn't agree <laughs> I would say it's more documentary news, but all right. Right, yeah. Kate, uh, Caitlin Gallagher, February 26, 2018. Okay, well, here's the story. While religious leader Jim Jones has historically been blamed for the tragedy that occurred at the Guyana compound, the A&E special Jonestown, that must be the one you're talking about. Jonestown, the women behind the massacre, argues that the women, maybe, Closest to Jones were <laughs> commentary by me, also partially responsible. One of the female subjects of the documentary is Marceline Jones, who was his wife, Jim's Jones' wife. Marceline and Jim had one biological child together. She's, I can't even imagine how messed up that kid is. And Stephen Jones appears in Jonestown, the woman behind the massacre. Despite his unconventional upbringing and the horrific tragedy brought about by his father's religious group, 
The People's Temple, Stefan, speaks candidly about his experience in the documentary, and based on what Stephen Jones is doing now, it seems he's tried to live as normal as life as anyone who's gone through what he could possibly uh, do. When more than 900 people were killed, um, blah, 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 Stephen was not at the settlement. Here's the clincher right here that you were talking about founded by his father. Instead, the Washington Post reported that Stephen escaped death with the Jonestown basketball team. Oh, oh, okay, yeah. Okay, so they were playing in a tournament in Guyana, Georgetown, 150 miles from Jonestown, and were still in Guyana's capital when the murder-suicide occurred. I wonder how many other kids were there with him. Afterwards, the 19-year-old Stephen was put in jail for three months in South American nation before the case against him was thrown out. So guilt by association. Right, yeah. I think I'd probably be pretty messed up if I hadn't lost everybody I had and hadn't got through the prison experience. Stephen told Washington Post, I mellowed out. Oh my gosh, okay. How did he do that? Throughout the 40 years since the deaths at Jonestown, Stephen has been willing to give media interviews. As I bet he's busy today. As outlined in the above video, he was featured in the historic history channels 07 documentary jonestown paradise lost okay there's another one and is written for the website alternative considerations of jonestown and people's temple which is run by san diego state university aha that's part of where this is coming from many of his previous interviews echo what he discusses in jonestown but he has an intimate perspective to give when it comes to his father and mother who both died during the event it's funny they didn't check on him i know there was no cell phone so they couldn't text him uh dying see you in the next life um <laughs> so weird he struggled with drug addiction after jonestown but he's sober now he said i'm blessed to have hit enough of a bottom to have been surrounded by amazing wonderful honest compassionate challenging people to see me through that thanks um Stephen has three daughters, and there's a photo of Stephen uh, or Stephen, presumably with one of his daughters on the Alternative Considerations website. Um, he is not known if he uh, relates to his surviving siblings. Okay, so there's other ones, maybe half-sisters. But the one's leadership at the time of death, their only son is this guy. Well, what we respond to is what we respond to. Like, do you have, have you had a positive, you know, um, how has your life been being a human being, no matter where you're at? Like, oh, well, this has been quite fantastic. And you could live in Bangladesh or you could live mm -hmm. in Nepal or you could live uh, also and like, oh, yeah, your life could be really good. Yeah, uh, but it could also be really horrible, and it could be like, well, yeah, I could live in, and even in like, oh yeah, and of course, Americans are always, um, you know, you know, they're like the old Romans and Britons and Greeks are like, oh yeah, you know, there's there can't be anything better than being an American. What could be <laughs> better than being an American? America. Well, uh, quite frankly, there's a lot of things that are great. <laughs> Humans won first. Yeah, and, yeah. Oh, and by the way, I wanted to jump in here. The I checked on the dates because I was mentioning Heaven's Gate. Heaven's mm -hmm. Gate was in March of '97, mm, and then mm. so this would have been historically first. So, so mm -hmm. today is the um, commemorative day, FYI. 
when 900 people uh, were killed in Jonestown Massacre. So by, by the way, here's some more about Jim Jones. He was uh, born in 1931 and he died in 1978. So that really, to me, is like an important part in American history when ideology was in flux. I mean, it is now too, but it was like communism was, he was, a, he was subdescribed communist slash socialist. And that was the uh, basis of the church. And I think it really did uh, mingle together for him with the Christian doctrine that he preached. Um, but the temple was actually founded in the 50s in uh, California. Mm. In the 60s, wait, temple in Indiana, Indiana. That, that's the Oregon, uh, the roots. And then they moved to California in the 60s. And then... Hmm. Um, that's crazy. In this, right, because he was getting negative attention. And mm -hmm. in this article, um, history.com, following the media attention, the powerful controlling preacher uh, moved in the 70s, 1,000 of the followers to the Guyanese jungle. Why would you have to do that? <laughs> First of all, when it didn't go well is when they died. And that's how cults are. It's like, wait, I just got ran through a gauntlet and I didn't even know. <laughs> right. Where am I? I'm a little mouse. People's Temple ran social and medical programs for the needy, including a free dining hall, drug mm -hmm. rehab, and legal services. Reminds you of Synanon, right? And uh, Jones' message of social equality and racial justice, like you say, attracted a diverse group of followers, including idealistic young people who wanted to do something meaningful with their mm -hmm. lives, with a megalomaniac leader. So it was the only South American country with English as the official language. In 77, Jones and more than a thousand people uh, moved to Guyana. They had started it in 74. Um, but it had turned out not to be the paradise the leader promised. Temple members worked long days in the field and were subjected to harsh punishments if they questioned Joan's authority. Oh, yeah. Well, hello. Cult behavior. Their passports. Here's the caveat where it becomes kidnapping. Their passports and medications were confiscated and they were plagued by mosquitoes and tropical diseases. Now, that's no joke. Um, I'm guessing malaria, etc., um, armed guards patrolled the jungle compound, another turn that took it from a church into a militia, right? Members were encouraged to inform on one another and were forced to attend lengthy late night meetings. Their letters and phone calls were censored. Uh, Jones was declining in mental health and addicted to drugs. You can hear it in that recording I opened with, like, he sounds so sedated. He compared himself to Vladimir Lenin and Jesus Christ. Of course he did. I'm ready for you, Susan. Yeah, I'm here. When, whenever you're using coercive control, th that that's where it switches over from things like a regular religion into cult. Yeah. You know, a, a regular church doesn't isn't surrounded by armed guards no. they don't take passports away you yeah. know it reminds me of the the last episode of the vow where um they put danny in a room for two two yes. years 
you know, they took away all of her papers and people are saying, you know, well, she could have left any time. Well, how, how does a young adult mm -hmm. leave the U.S., a room mm -hmm. in the U.S. at any time and try to, to have, she did, had, she had no resources. That was shocking. You know, it, 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 you know, her parents were against her because they had been turned by, you know, Keith, Keith Ranieri, the cult leader, mm -hmm. it, like where is she supposed to go? She had no money. She didn't have her paper. She didn't have her birth certificate. Right. She didn't have her work. passport. And the Jonestown, uh, I mean, obviously was a, a very dangerous cult because of what Jim Jones had done to, um, had locked people in. Mm-hmm extremely dangerous it says he was convinced that the government the media and others were out to destroy him he also required here we go on this this is crazy people's temple members to participate in mock suicide drills in the middle of the night that's a little asterisk there i didn't know about that's very scary suicide drills and you heard in the um intro here um, if you didn't hear it, you can hear it on the replay. Um, the People's Temple's last day was recorded on audio and I played it. And, you know, in it, he's droning on and on about life after death. Uh, this is just a, a body that we'll see each other again. I mean, just filling them with nonsense. But here, here's a little note. We were talking about what, um, as far as the ambush, Leo Ryan, the U.S. rep, from California, the Congress rep, heard from some of his constituents that their family members were people being held against their own will, like we just talked about. How were they held? Well, their papers were taken away um, and by gunpoint while they worked. Okay, so they decided to go there to investigate. Ryan, the congressman, arrived in Guyana in November and a delegation that included news reporters and photographers and concerned relatives toured the People's Temple. The congressmen and reporters uh, were welcomed to their surprise with a dinner and evening entertainment. Jones even agreed to meet with reporters. It was going good, it sounds like, at, at first. During the visit, though, some People's Temple's members asked Ryan's group to help them get out of Jonestown. Huh. That was what started it. Um, so the group, which included a small contingent of People's Temple defectors, left Jonestown. That's what set him off. While waiting at a nearby jungle airstrip, they were ambushed by gunmen sent by John, Jim Jones. Ryan was killed along with a reporter and a cameraman from NBC and a photographer from the San Francisco Examiner. The, the same day as the murders at the airstrip, Jones told his followers that the soldiers would come for them and torture them. What a lie. Just a lie. He ordered everyone to gather in the main pavilion and commit what he termed a revolutionary act. The youngest members of the People's Temple were the first to die. As parents and nurses used syringe to drop potent mix of cyanide, sedative, and powdered fruit juice into children's throats. Jones, Jones had reportedly obtained a jeweler's license at some earlier point, which enabled him to stockpile cyanide. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Well, it, it, it points to premeditative uh, murder mm -hmm. because of the fact that they had done 
the drills. Yes. What the heck would you need to do a suicide drill for? So he was filling them with paranoia that if they got caught, it would be worse than if they killed themselves. Gosh, it sounds like you're in an unsafe place. You know? A death toll at at, uh, Jonestown was 909 people, a third of them children. A few people managed to escape into the jungle that day. Well, that's what it took to escape, going into a jungle. Oh, my Lord. Right. Oh, my Lord. Well, at least several Mm -hmm. dozen more people's temple members, including several of Joan's sons, were in another part of Guyana at the time. In total, only 33 survived. Right. When people say mind control is not real, I say, okay, well, how did you get to your coffee machine this morning? How did you get there? Did your brain tell you to go do it? Oh, Dishnell's back. Sorry. Messages to do stuff come from our brain. So coercion and mind control is the ultimate weapon. The military knows this. The military knows this. Military, um, like when I went through boot camp, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of times people think that boot camp is to break you down and rebuild you. But I, I, I would just like to clear that myth, mysticism up. Mm, okay. It, the, the one thing, uh, it's to help you pay attention to detail, you know, because they make you do a lot of weird things. Like when your shoes mm-hmm. are on, your your laces are, are in your shoes one way. But when you store them in your locker, your laces are the other way. And it's to teach you to pay attention to detail. Because like if you're working on a multi-million dollar aircraft, Putting the blue wires one way is you have to deadly. do that so that, that <laughs> yeah, it's deadly, yeah. you know, the kind of thing. And so, or if you're um, on the battlefield and your um, sen- uh, your, your senior person tells you to hit the deck, you don't stand there and go like, well, why should I? As mm-hmm. you're taking a bullet to the chest, you know, <laughs> yeah, kind of thing, you know. Yes. So. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff out there that that you know. Oh, they're just trying to break you down. Well, <laughs> no, they're not. They're trying to teach you attention to detail in a, in mm-hmm. a quick quick fashion. And so there's a lot of Hollywood mm-hmm. kind of bullshit out there about you know this, this and is and why stuff. they're why they're <laughs> yeah. doing that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. And um, but you have free will. I mean, yeah, you sign a contract, but you sign a contract with a lot of jobs. But you, mm-hmm. there is a way out, you know, at the end of your contract, you can leave in mm-hmm. a cult. If you leave in, you can leave quietly, but mm-hmm. then they make up a lot of shit about why you left and, <laughs> and they, they banish your name mm-hmm. within the cult. So nobody comes to you to ask why you leave. But if you leave like I did, then, then they sue your ass and they harass you. You know, in, until the end of time, yep. unless the cult gets burned down. And Susan, I, I never allowed myself to believe that they would ever take any direct action for many years. Even though I saw, not firsthand, but I saw people's lives go to shit after they left. And I was like, well, you know, I only left because, or whatever, whatever. No, I think it's always, especially um, 
in the high demand groups and the ones with sex cults and the ones who are doing illegal activity, they don't want witnesses to go talking to people. And we might not even know what we were witness to. There's another factor there. Mm -hmm. I, I often think about, you know, I was witness to things I don't even know what happened there. So they could be stalking me and I don't even know it just to make sure I don't say something that I don't even know I know. Right. Because yeah. that's what criminals do. They got to protect themselves. Hey, right. another interesting point on this. Um, I'm reading the FBI article on FBI.gov, history, famous dash cases, Jonestown. Um, in the end, along with helping to unravel the chain of events and bring closure to grieving families, the FBI was able to make a case against Larry Layton. Mm-hmm. Layton, the only member of the People's Temple tried in the U.S. for criminal acts of Jonestown, was extradited, extradited, uh, convicted, and sentenced to life in prison. Wow, so he's like the only guy that was tried for anything. Everybody else got away with just killing themselves. Huh. <laughs> they got away with killing themselves. You know what I mean? It's like you should. They didn't stick around for the consequences. It's kind of hard to try somebody who's who's off Dead. themselves. <laughs> That's why people do death by cop. They do the shooting and then they hope that you know they get taken out, right? In all these school shootings. Right. Um, right. It's one of the things like the other uh, guy who left was saying. You think, okay, well, after that, certainly nothing else like this would happen because we can see the science, right? We can see it coming, right? Huh. It, and, well, it's kind of hard to stop a group from from doing something like a Jonestown. <laughs> well, what could have been done? It would have had to be done while they were still in the States or by local Guyana authorities. Or maybe the families could have looked in just what the heck was going on. Well, I think the families tried to. Well, yeah, actually, that's what the whole trip was about. They went to their congressperson. Yeah, but mm -hmm. the, the thing is, is that once somebody joins a cult because of the way the laws are now, you can't really pull them out. I mean, in the 70s, mm -hmm. they were kidnapping cult members in vans right. and, right. and deprogramming them and, and deprogramming mm -hmm. them. And then they, um, they they passed laws where you couldn't do that. I have a comment on that because I recently took talk to Joseph Simhart and I had not ever spoken to him or I didn't know of his work. So he's one of the way back ones that was a cult exit deprogrammer. And mm -hmm. he was involved in that until they decided it was illegal to kidnap slash um, take them clandestinely, you know, by their parents' desire. And the parents would pay. I, I think you know all about this, but uh, for those listening who don't, parents would pay an extreme amount of money, 10000 and up, to get their child kidnapped from a cult and deprogrammed until they came to their senses. They would sit them in a room and have conversations. And so Joseph Simharp is one of the originals that did that. How about that? <laughs> it was pretty interesting to talk to him. I recommend. Right. So when 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 somebody decides to join a cult, there is there's really nothing a family can hardly anything a family can yeah. do. I mean, look at what Catherine Oxenberg did um, in regards to trying to save her daughter. And really what it took was 
India was a day away from getting arrested as a co-conspirator. And the FBI called um, Catherine and said, look, we're going to arrest your daughter tomorrow unless there's something you can do. Mm-hmm. And and Catherine called India and said, you're going to be arrested tomorrow, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't do something. Wow. And, and that scared India enough that she went to the FBI and said, mm-hmm. what can I do? And so India worked a deal with the FBI to work with them. Wow. In, in, instead of um, in in luckily Allison had left um, all the tapes of her and Keith Ranieri um, talking with each other about how to set up DOS in oh. in India took those tapes to the FBI and then Allison wow. um, validated those uh-huh. and that's why Allison got a reduced sentence and because India turned those over India was able to work a deal to not get prosecuted. Wow. <laughs> Thank goodness, actually, that they had those things to bring to the table. Yeah, because that's what um, was um, verified. Well, that's what verified Keith knew everything mm-hmm. and set everything up about DOS. Yeah. So incredible. Oh, um, and I have more comments on that, but Cole Fault, Casey made a comment that the suicide drills were called white knights. The suicide drills that um, the crazy Jonestown leader, Jim Jones, yeah, was done. doing. White knights. Excuse me, that's a weird play on words. I would like to hear yeah. more. <laughs> because yeah. he's he was playing on white, um, saying white people mainly left um during the scuffle and it was all the black people that that stayed with him and he was basically it wasn't only black but he goes look they were mostly white who betrayed us he was really while he said race didn't matter he then played with race often in these dialogues it's like wait which is it you're going to use it against us as a tool or is it he's very hypocritical also um very unstable right very, very yeah. unstable. And by the way, you had you had given us a preview in your talk when you did the Reddit talk um, story that I didn't know about, about Danny. And now I just, after watching season four or five or both, actually, um, the full story, or at least most of the story was revealed. And Danny, uh, what she experienced, it really is shocking because, you know, and Colt had messaged me a uh, trigger warning. And she was right. Like, it was so difficult. I watched it with my mom. Mm-hmm. And those, you're, it's so hard to answer what coercion is, Susan. I was on chains just like that. And I remember the day I walked out. It feels so weird. You're just like, wait a minute. There is nothing stopping me. It encourages you finally. After all that intimidation and fear that they use to keep you there. It's just like, wait a minute. I'm going to walk out. Yeah, I don't have anything, but I'm going to walk out. And well, then you just walk out like she did. Well, Danny, she, well, well, Danny did walk out of the house and walked outside, but then she went back to the room. Mm-hmm. And they didn't make that clear in the episode um, because Danny had no, nothing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but eventually Lauren arranged to have Danny taken to the Mexico border. Okay. And, and dropped off, but they still didn't Spoiler. give her anything. They didn't give her anything. 
Wow. And so, so Danny um, so had, I know they were very, they were so cruel. I, I mean, it's, you know what? Um, you can't, you can't excuse when you sit a group of people in a room and say, "How do you think we should handle it?" He he laid it out what he was going to do, and everyone backed it. Whoa. Yeah. Well, that's the, the that's the control he had over over right. people. Yeah. And yeah, so Danny really had to scramble to make things happen for her. Oh, and okay. and I, I don't want to talk any more about it because he might might explain that in the next episode. But um, spoiler. Um, but if they don't, then then you know um, maybe we could do another podcast later, and I'll talk more about it. But I think it's you all in court it. documents. Mm-hmm. But um, but um, you know it's so strange because I I knew her. I knew her before she started sleeping with mm-hmm. Keith. I knew her while she was sleeping with Keith, but I didn't know she was sleeping with Keith. And then all of a sudden, one day, she just disappeared. And I yeah. kept saying, where is she? Yeah. You know, because she, she when, when I went back to New York, I hung out at the center a lot because there were, you know, there's people there and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, she was gone. Yeah. And and I kept saying, and and people would say, well, she's working on her breach. And I'm well, like, we're all working on it. We all had a mm-hmm. breach. And this is where at moments in people's story like this, when I hear it and when I think of my own or others, you know what? There's no benign religion. There's no benign human improvement. Anything can turn at any moment. When you have this level of coercive control through charisma and also leverage saying collateral on each person, et cetera. Everyone's going to cooperate because if they don't, they're going to get it. And the right. whip can be turned towards you at any moment. That power, like you say, the power structure is great. And it's designed it's, like that. And it's so insidious. It's like a soaker hose. You know, I don't What's know if everybody hose? knows. A soaker hose is something you put in your garden bed and you hook it up to a main. Yeah, it's got the little hose in it. Yeah. And it and it slowly drips into your garden bed so that you're not, you know, so and it uses Mm -hmm. less water. Mm -hmm. And so and that's what a cult does is it slowly drips information into you instead. You know, because if you walked into a cult and they just turned on a hose, you'd be like, the hell with this. I'm leaving. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, fire hose. Nope. A, a hose, a regular hose is what, pe- what people, like they watch a documentary and they get the hose and they'd right. be like, how could people ever sign up for anything like that? That's you right. know, That's right. and, and, and when people get indoctrinated into a, into a cult, unless you're born into it or you're a young child like you that went into it, right. you know, um, we get the soaker hose, you know, and we're like a little drip here, a little drip there, a little right. drip here, a little drip there. And, and you kind of, and you get slowly indoctrinated into yeah. things. They put you into a, a, a beginning course, That's you right. know, kind of thing. And they slowly drip mm-hmm. stuff and they slowly coerce you into things. And then before you know it, you know, you you got blinders on and you can't see see things. And we got three cults to discuss here, like the one I was in, the one you were in, and Jonestown. It's like, right. okay, compare and contrast. Like uh, Dr. Lalish does in her book, Bounded Choice, she mm-hmm. uses Heaven's Gate and Democratic Workers Party. But see, right. like, okay, so this one, uh, mine was religious. His was fundamental religion, but also political because he considered himself mm-hmm. socialist communist. Right. And yours is health and uh, self-improvement. Well, yeah, it was like an, it was a business success course when yeah. I first started taking it. Yeah. You know? 
yeah. it's kind of like you know people wore business clothes that's what i, I put on um, yeah. twitter today it was like you know who <laughs> what happened it was it was a cult dressed up in business suits yes like... yeah, and, and there's tons of those you know like executive success um well that's what it was called when i went it was called the executive success programs mm -hmm. right <laughs> which is cleverly disguised like ESP extrasensory perception. Right. Um, double entendre there, but yeah, no, there's tons of the, the self-help cults um, that, that you could speak to because that structure is, you even said, I like how this is packaged. Right. I really like how this is presented, you know? Okay. Well, we liked, um, you know, I was not an adult, like you say, but I, I spoke to Andrew Pledger. He was born in, to Christian fundamentalism. Mm -hmm. Another level, I was telling him like, my gosh, they were breeding new members. <laughs> they were breeding new members. They're not worried about recruiting. <laughs> Literally his mom and then his, her, his grandparents, same cult, IFB. Um, so, so, but I mean, here, similarly, there's a structure of control. That's very important. Who we mm -hmm. answer to. And you said, I remember when you were speaking to us in the other uh, podcast, which is now a an official uh, bonus episode on Frankie Files, FYI. Mm -hmm. And I was so happy to cut out. Um, can you hear me, Frankie? Yeah. I felt really bad while that was happening. Oh. So those are all cut out. <laughs> Girl, I'm so sorry. I'm really, really sorry. But you were <laughs> such a professional. Um, yeah, so like, it, it's just that, the charismatic leader has the structure in place. We bounce off the walls of that structure and those who remain are going to go through the gauntlet, you know, and because you were thinking, well, I got this prize that I want to get at the end of the gauntlet. That's mm -hmm. why I'm staying. I want the enlightenment. I want the ascension. I want the initiation, blah, 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 blah. The higher self connection, you know, all the crap they feed us. Right. Do you think Jim Jones said, you know, we're going to go um, take Kool-Aid, Flavor-Aid in Guyana the first day? Of course no. not. <laughs> it was incremental. Well, you know, another thing that's common in some of these cults is when the heat gets turned up on some of them, mm -hmm. they'll move the cult to a different location. Uh -huh. Like he moved out of California, moved to a different country. Um, the mm -hmm. OSHA group, he he got kicked out of India. That's right. And then um, there's right. another one that um, Tons Sarah, problems. yeah, yeah, the nitty the nitty guy. I don't I, that Sarah Landry is involved in. Um, that he was, yeah, he was in India, mm -hmm. and then he got arrested for rape. And then they let him out for some reason. And um, he's on Discovery. Um, okay. Um, I love my those ID, my, ID Discovery ones. Yeah, he, Discovery ID. It's a three-part series. My daughter okay. joined a cult. Okay. Um, oh, I've seen the blurb for that. Okay. Yeah, watch it. It's, okay. it's, it's Yeah. It, it, when it first came out, it was only in, in, in um, it was only in Indian dialect. And then they had mm. some. They, it, I think it still is, but now they have subtitles because I started watching them. Like, I don't understand anything, but I can watch the I can watch the emotions on people's face. And then oh, they decided okay. they subtitled it right away. Yeah. But um, American interest. Yeah. But um, 
Okay. They um he got he arrested. Got a, yeah, he got arrested in India and they let him out. And then he has since moved to they're not really sure what country, but he has um mm. he also has an arrest warrant, I think in LA. Mm -mm. Um, because they have a temple in LA. Mm -hmm. And um, so he's moved to a country that doesn't have extradition to the United <laughs> States or India. So they're, some of these cult leaders are very tricky. Mm -hmm. That's another commonality that some of them have was they get in trouble in the country that they've started in. Right. And then they move and then their loyalists will just follow them You're to right. that country. And that's one of the things we're really afraid of when Keith left the United States. Keith Ranieri yeah. left the United States. We were afraid he was going to run to a country that didn't have extradition. But he luckily just went to Mexico thinking he would have protection down there because Mexico had a large contingency. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, with the location, I didn't know it was because of the extradition. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Um, but having a backup second location like that yes such a playbook because siren warner's been reporting that the current um one he is is following like a bloodhound seven years on the same story um mm -hmm. <laughs> this guy's dedicated he is you know there's been missing children revealed a lot of good has happened from his reporting so amen if to use the language, but they started in um, Alaska. And when the heat got hot, which was kids being taken from parents, marriages broken up, etc., judge decrees and stuff like that, they sold the property and moved to Tenasket, Washington. And they mm. started preaching, and they're um, a severe, extreme Christian sect that wants no address they meet only in people's homes and stuff they don't want proof and um secret society of christian uh whatever basically molestation um with this uh washing thing that they do and mm -hmm. so the the laws must have been accommodated the leader who is now um a criminal and um, he he can't put property in his name, so he's getting other people to put it in their name. This stuff, it's like okay, we're talking religious criminals, and often um, in the self help cults too, they're hiding in plain sight doing stuff right, because yeah. this is such an arena of ex um, gray zone. I guess is the words. Right. Um, yeah. The trafficking still is is where I'm really focused. Like it really blows my mind how much trafficking, even in the Nexium documentary, The Vow, has been exposed so far. There's right, quite yeah. a bit of it. Right. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute. Okay, because when you mentioned that the Mexico versus um US locations and of course Canada, right? So you right, yeah. had Canada. Right. Well, just, yeah, one area of Canada, but that, that's exactly. the only area that opened up an actual center. Because were, of your um, credit, <laughs> not not theirs. Well, no, they, they built after I left. I mean, oh, okay. Sarah, yeah, yeah, they, Sarah Edmondson um, actually did a lot of work after I left. I mean, oh. I don't want to, like, you I know. I got you. Yeah. 
Yeah, she did so a lot much, of work. 20, 20 years or so. There's just really a lot of the story I don't know. Yeah. So much. Well, yeah. And then with, with child trafficking, there are um, religions that, um, you know, will do um, um, arranged marriages under yes. the age of 18, you know, and, and I know there's a lot of legislation going on right now trying to um, mm -hmm. get rid of child marriages, you, you know, that the person actually has to be 18. Yes. But even even if that does get passed, there's still going to be ar arranged marriages. And mm -hmm. then there are um, some uh, there's a fundamentalist Mormon group that broke off from the re regular Mormon church and they actually moved to Mexico um, because they did away, you know, they wanted to be able to have multiple wives mm -hmm. and they could, they, yeah, they could do that in Mexico, but they couldn't do that in the United States. And, um, huh. well, another yeah. one that's surfing back and forth, and I want to comment on the arranged marriages in a minute, but another one that's surfing back and forth in contemporary is, um, Luz de Mundo, and they're about a hundred years old. They're Restoration Christian um, Church. And so there's three generations of men who've abused droves of little kids. Mm -hmm. Droves. Their parents, this is the part that's disturbing in Nexium story too. You know, the amount of women manipulated into becoming groomers and traffickers to appease the male leader, bring in them kids to molest it's like oh okay how did how did you get to this point in life oh okay um, i wanted to tell you tasneem i'm gonna put this yeah this one's hard to say this link i'll put it in the chat here um tasneem her name is sarah tasneem and she was a sufi child bride so the first time that she started being paraded around was age 12. Her dad would take her to these meetings where other members were there and they were looking at her like a piece of meat to see if she was marriage material for them. He couldn't get it done at 12, but he got it done at 15. And the story is pretty mind boggling. And she, she is now a child, um, bride, um, activist against it i'm putting her link in the blog tasneem advocacy home.blog this woman is so amazing she um so the father in brief marries her off at 15 to a man she had never spoken to in her life and it's like at a hotel international conference but it's a position that she you know she would have had to run out the hotel that day with nothing. And it just didn't occur to her to do that because she didn't know what was coming. And so it's like a spiritual ceremony. And here's the trafficking element that shocked me. She's then taken to another um, country where she is impregnated, but still they're not legally married and she doesn't even know that. They come back oh, wow. to, mm -hmm, and then they come back to NorCal where they're based and decide she's pregnant already. Um, the mother and the son, you know, colluded to make sure she didn't get out or get away. 
they get back to NorCal and they go on a drive to Las Vegas where she gets married to him in a drive through And with, as she tells it in her story, the evidence of rape visible and she's not 18. So her work and that uh, link is in the blog is against, you know, changing the laws, changing the laws. She is advocating and uh, educating people that 40 states in the United States allow child marriage. Four zero. It's pretty shocking. And that means, and it, even in her case, it was a parent uh, permission slip. Her father, her mother was not notified. She would never have approved. A parent's permission slip is all that they had to show. He was not present. It was in a drive-thru. Okay, so stuff like that. When we talk about child trafficking, it's quite enabled. And I think, you know, why do cults get away with what they get away with? Religious laws, uh, marriage laws are not what they should be. Freedom's yeah. one thing, you know. Oh, okay, you're putting that uh, link in there. My daughter yeah. joined a cult. Okay, good. Yeah, it's on Discovery Plus. Yeah. Sweet. Yes, I have seen that advertised. I'm going to watch that. My goal is to help survivors be a louder voice than experts and psychologists. And I don't mean anything against them. I mean that the survivor has something to say. And right. it's time to, I just want to go, hey, I'll be here. If you guys want to get on my stage, uh, find a way to get talking, you know. Right. Yeah. It's well, so I'm painful. I'm just starting a website for that. No. Yeah, we'll have to talk. Let's figure out how to end this particular uh, Cult Awareness Day broadcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I love, it was very last minute, so thank you for that. Oh, yeah, you're so welcome. Yeah, thanks for um, letting me be part of the stage, and thanks, everybody, for joining us and being a part of part of our chat here about and um check out susan on twitter for commentary on the vow and i believe we'll um, try to get a broadcast together where you can comment as a couple more episodes are coming out yeah and, um yeah. there's a lot to say there right oh yeah and and i've been tweeting a lot about um mostly nancy but um i've added some stuff mm -hmm. in about keith ranieri too oh my goodness so. The expose continues on Nancy. It's hair <laughs> hair curling because it's like you, honey, you're not innocent. Stop, stop the act. I just didn't know. Well, you know, the more she talks, the more she unravels her true self. I know it's bad. <laughs> well, I think the producers. One thing I know that some criticize because the vow doesn't have an expert, but one thing they are good at doing is letting them hang themselves on camera. I'm Very enjoying true. seeing Nancy's extremely strange descriptions of what she thinks happened. Well, in the more she talks, the I mean, it's like she contradicts herself, you uh -huh. know. Especially if you if you watch it and then oh, you yeah. go and if you, you can remember what she said in episode <laughs> one, and then she mm -hmm. talks about something in episode four, it's kind of like, oh, wait a minute. It's like, wait, you said you didn't know she was, your own daughter was having a relationship with Keith. 
but for oh. five years. How could you not but know? I knew right away. You're kissing on him. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh -huh. oh, you're well. kissing on him, going out the door, and then he's doing the same. It's like, wait, you're telling me you don't even catch a vibe? That's not believable. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, so I'm liking how the producers, you know, just put it up there in a documentary style. And it tells the story what really happened. But it is truly uh, upsetting, Susan, to watch. Yeah. Well, Very yeah, disturbing. It, yeah. Yeah. I was more disturbed about season one. Okay. And if he wasn't found guilty, we were all going to have to move to Guyana. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty, yeah. A lot of legal issues going there. No, he was just going to come after us. Understood. He would have been 300 more lawsuits. You're listening to The Frankie Files. FrankieFilesPodcast.com.